we've been dealing with the seed and the inheritance for several months now. The seed of God, which is Christ. The seed of God, which we've been born of. The seed of God that we are made part of. And the inheritance of the seed. And our inheritance is that of him, he that inherited all things. So when we look at what we inherit, the incorruptible inheritance of the Lord, we are looking at him. If, if Christians would turn there to see that, because we've kind of made an inheritance, uh, you, you know, my inheritance individually, okay? I'm okay with that to a measure. But what we inherit is the fullness of God in Christ. What is Christ made to us? And what we're living in, I believe, is that of Christ that we know. We can't live in any more than what we know. We can't express anything other than that of him we know. And inheritance is, is such a, a important thing because many Christians, which they, they do this with a lot of the things of the Lord, they have put their inheritance down to some future day, some future event. You know, they're they're kind of believing they're struggling around here, and someday they're going to have their inheritance. And not enjoying the things of God. Because the things of God, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. So, so joy is a attribute of the Lord. Joy is something we should know. Joy is something we should bring. Joy is should be part of our life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we've we've sung that song, the Lord has dealt with me personally with that here recently. I've, I've probably said that to you. I know I have to my wife. I believe I have to the local assembly in Culpeper. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength is is not the, as Brother Jimmy Lewis would say, the molly grubs. So if I set my mind in the molly grubs, I don't find my strength. I find everything but strength. But when I begin to see in his presence is fullness of joy forevermore. And that we're living in the presence of God, that Christ as the high priest has brought us into the presence. We are there in Christ, in the presence of God. And 
he's given us access as the high priest, the Lord has given us access into God's fullness. And then when we look at him, we have to look at him when we're looking at Christ in the order of Melchizedek, we have to look at him not only as high priest, but as priest and king. And we've touched on that through this time together in this uh, study that he is priest and king. He's made a high priest. He's king of righteousness. He's king of peace. And if we understand that, if we come to understand that we're in the kingdom of God because we are living in the presence of the king. That's what makes the kingdom real. The kingdom's not real if the king's not here. So when we read the scripture in Colossians, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And, and we have thoughts in our minds, well, so we have a soon coming king, then, then we would be kind of in limbo. Because we're not, we wouldn't be in the kingdom of darkness. How would we be in the kingdom of the sun unless the sun, that is king, is reigning? Now, comes the question, how does he reign? When you see everything going on out in the world, if you look at the world, you'll say, well, where's the reign of God at? Because the world surely doesn't express the reigning of God. Not at all. So, so how can we declare we're in the kingdom? Look at the world. Take your eyes for a moment and take a peer at the world. <laughs> well, Apostle Paul straightens us out when we do that. And he says, you're no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be, the spirit of Christ dwells in you. That's not where you live. That's not where your life is found. I know you are in the earth. I know you have a home, a family, uh, some of you husbands, some of you wives, children, but your life is Christ. And what we should be sharing with our family, with our children, with our husband, with our wife, with our whatever relationship we're in, is the life that we have, the life of the kingdom of God, which is a different life than the world. It's a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what we should be sharing. That's what we should be in. That's what our mindset should be. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That becoming our minds, becoming our presence. When we're present in a room, we should be present there in righteousness. We should be present there in peace. We should 
to be present there in joy. Why? Because we're living in his life. We're not living in our lives. We're living in his life. We live by him living in us. That's how we live. That's where we are. So our presence in the room should be that that is true in Christ. That's the kingdom in operation. See, see, we, we felt the kingdom in operation is, is just maybe healing the sick. I mean, that's part of it. But that's not the full extent of it. The kingdom in operation is the kingdom of God, is, is that that Christ reigns in, living in you and I. That's the kingdom in operation. And you and I coming into the earth aware of his lordship, aware of it, okay? When we read the book of Revelation, chapter 19, it calls him, he has a name written. Turn to Revelation 19. Start at verse 15. It says of the Lord here. And from his mouth proceeds a sharp two-edged sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty, and he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings. And I know what we... We like to do with that. We like to go to the other scripture in Revelation and say, we are kings and priests. So he's the king of us and we're kings. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a thought. But I look at it as he's the king of all kings that have ever been. When you go back through the Old Testament, you see the kingship of Israel start. And it finds its culmination in Christ. That's the king of kings. You find the Lord's ships of the rulers of Israel. And you find in him, he's the Lord of lords. He's, his kingdom, his lordship is beyond anything that's ever been, that he could cast down all enemies, that he could bring to bow all things in you and I. So, so in his ruling and reigning, what does he do? How does he rule and reign in us? Well, he casts down 
every imagination. He brings everything into his finished work. That's his rule, that everything comes to him to bow down, to find its completion, to find its place. And everything in you and I comes to his power, to his strength, to his authority. So we come to the authority of the Lord. We come to the mind of the Lord. How do we get this mind that understands the deep things of God? That has begun to see and hear and know that of God. How did we get there? Did we get there in our own effort, in our own ability? Or is it the wisdom and knowledge of the king? That's where we are. In the wisdom and knowledge of the king. He is in authority here. What is his authority toward you and I? He's king of righteousness. As hard as Christians have tried to be righteous, I, I was asking myself one day, pondering in my heart, you know, I talk about righteousness so much. Sometimes I'll, I'll question myself with what I'm talking about and say, have I over-talked about righteousness? So I talk about it so much. And I look at Paul's writings, and he's continually bringing believers to a view of righteousness, justification, that they are in this right standing with God. Why is he bringing you there? That you are in a right standing with God. Because a lot of believers don't believe that. A lot of people that have received the Lord really haven't heard that, that they are in a right standing with God. That their standing with God is, is sure and steadfast because their standing with God is is based upon the Lord and not themselves. Okay. Well, I can read that and I can begin to confess it, and I should. That Christ is made unto us righteousness. But does that mean it's just in a position that I don't know it? That he's just just made me positionally right with God. And before I was positionally wrong, kind of like where Brother Mark was that other night, I'm positionally wrong in sin. Did I know I was wrong in sin? Did my heart, have my heart perceived I was in sin? Probably. So the question comes, has my heart perceived that it's right with God? Has it come to a place where it perceives 
and lives as if it's right with God, our hearts and our minds, are we living right with the Lord? And I'm not trying to go back into old legalistic teaching. I'm trying to speak out of the Lord, out of his life. Because his life is right. His life is holy. His life is pure. And these attributes of the Lord are to become present in you and I. They're not just to be words we speak. They're to be present. They're to be our lifestyles. That there's a lifestyle of godliness in the people of God. Wouldn't that make sense? That we're the people of God and we have a lifestyle of godliness? <laughs> that would make sense, right? Because we're the people of God. Well, how, how does that come about? In Romans 5, and I guess I won't get through all my notes because of where my heart's at, but in Romans 5, this is so important to see and hear. Verse 12, therefore, as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death passed unto all men, for that all sinned. Now, this was a state of being that man came into. Death and sin. It's a state of being. When he's born, he's born there. When he grows up, he grows up there. This is who he is. As a man, as an earth man, as a natural man. So now we come to come on through this. For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses over them that had not sinned after the likeness of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. Now, I want to stop here again. So we have sin in the world, and it's not imputed. It's, it's not accounted to man till the law comes. And a thought that's just jumping out at me is the law comes and says to man, there's a greater standard of living that's required. Okay. It's what the law said. There's a greater standard of living. And so men and women see that, those that were under the law. We that are newborn babes in Christ, we know that. Or when the law of the word is presented to us, many times, you know, sinners uh, will, will make statements that, when they get everything right, they're going to come to God or, or uh, they're going to try to do better. <laughs> like, see, see, the whole thing of the law was to uncover the problem that, there, that, hey, there's a standard of living that God requires and you can't do it. <laughs> you 
You don't have the ability to produce it. So no amount of personal effort in the flesh is going to produce the righteousness of God that's in Christ. So we come on into this chapter. And he says, but verse 15, but not as the trespass, so also is the free gift. For by the trespass of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound unto many. And not as through one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment came of one unto condemnation. But the free gift came of many trespasses unto justification. For if by the trespass of the one death reigned through the one, much more shall they that receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one, even Jesus Christ. Here's where we reign. We reign with him in life. What life? His life. So we come to reign in right standing in the life of Christ. So this life has to be imparted because we don't have it. And that's what happens in the new birth. We are born of another life. Another life births us. So, so, so if, if we can hear this, another life births us. We're all birthed of one seed. One life. All of us come to share and partake of the same one. So that life bursts us. Now, after we're birthed with that life, what does it do next? Does it just birth us and kind of leave us out here on the side? No. No, that life begins to minister to us. It begins to form within us. It begins to take root in our hearts and our minds. There's a, there's a place where the, he begins to root himself in us, that, that we are rooted with him. We are grounded with him. We've been made secure in the measure of him we know. That's how it works. It begins to work in us so that we can reign in this life. This life that we're coming to know by the spirit of the living God. This life that we're coming to hear by the spirit of the living God. This life that we're coming to see 
by the Spirit of the living God. We're begin, we're seeing and hearing and knowing not of ourselves, but of him. And he just roots himself in our hearts and brings our hearts into a place. Is your heart coming to a place that you want to stay here and abide in the Lord? Yes. You want to stay here and abide in the Lord. Has your heart come to the place that you want to reign in this life? Sure it has. We're like the man that built his house upon the rock. The rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything comes, turmoil comes, the storms come, and he's still our life. He's still ministering his life. We're not moved away from his life. I'm not saying at times you don't get affected by him, but you're not moved away from what your life is. And as we grow in him, we come to the place in the Lord I believe where we can speak to these situations out of the knowledge of Christ. Not just going out there and saying words, but coming to speak out of the very knowing of the Lord. Into these situations to impact them. To change them. Because Jesus came into places and he changed them. The apostles came into places and they changed the situation. They changed the place. The Bible says, and I believe it says, they turned the world upside down. How did they do that? Because they were living in the kingdom. They had come under the authority of the king. They were living in his reign. So when they entered a room, they come in another name. They didn't come into the room in, in the name of Adam. They didn't come in the room in the name of the old man. They come in the room in the nature and name of the Lord Jesus Christ because a new name, a new nature was written in their heads and on their hand. Yes, they had a new mind and they were living out of another work. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's the kingdom in operation. You know, when you look at Solomon the king, and this just stays with me, what was the big deal with Solomon? I mean, one of the big deals was peace and rest. But when you look at him, what was the big deal? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. There was wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He was a man of great wisdom. In the earth, the magnitude of his wisdom had never been seen, had never been known. And so we look at King Solomon, and we go there, and we look at him as a testimony of Christ, as 
as a greater than Solomon that was coming, the, the king that was coming and the wisdom and knowledge of this king had never been known. Man had never understood it. Man had never seen it. But this great Lord that we're in relationship is ministering his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding into our hearts and our minds that we can live in it and declare it and share it into the earth. See, that's the operation of the kingdom. Sometimes we may not put that together that way, but if you understand Israel, when they come under the reign of Solomon, they were living in his wisdom, so to speak. They were living in his knowledge. They were living in his understanding. And see, see, that's what we've come. We're coming to live in the knowledge of the Lord. We're coming to live in the wisdom of the Lord. We're coming to be under his authority, under his rule, under his reign, that he would cause our hearts just to yield to that of him. And our minds to be filled with the treasures of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I never knew when I was a young man and I turned my heart to the Lord. I, I come there out of conviction, out of needing a Savior, out of, needy, out of needs. I, I came to the Lord. Because I was in need. But I never knew what I was receiving. When I started in the Lord. I didn't know this. You know, a lot of the teaching I grew up was. I was receiving a way out of hell. And a way to heaven. I was. Getting out of sin and getting a ticket to heaven. But I had no concept, no idea that the very presence and knowledge and life of God was going to start to unfold and be made manifest in my heart. That this is what salvation really is, the riches of the glory of God. That this is what this great king and savior and priest is doing in our hearts, is unfolding the treasures of the Lord. Making them known to us. Not just in the pages of the Bible we read, but in our heart. That we become living epistles of Him. See, we're not living epistles of the Bible. And honey, I believe the Bible. I, I think you should read and study the Bible as much as you possibly can. So I, I won't speak ill of the Bible. I love the Bible. I love to read the Bible. I love to see and understand things of God that, that I didn't see and understand. But I'm telling you, the written living epistle is a people that is a, an expression of Jesus Christ that have taken root in the Lord, that this Lord has secured their hearts 
in a measurement of who and what he is. That's salvation. Getting secure. I believe, and someone can tell me afterwards that that, that may even be part of the definition safety, security, deliverance. We come into salvation. And what does it look like? Translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's what I want to know. What does this look like, the kingdom of God's dear son? I want to understand that. So when I read that he is made both king and priest, I want to understand what it means, not just read it in the Bible and agree with it. I, I do I do that. I read it in the Bible. I agree with it. I believe it. But I want to understand it and live in it and express it. Because I believe that's what Jesus is talking about when he says his words are going to abide in us and we're going to abide in his words. Is the very life spirit of these words is the words I speak are spirit and life. The very life and spirit of these words are going to abide in our heart and our heart's going to be root in them. Kind of, I, I, I keep hearing this inside of me, pressed down in that, that it doesn't move. But it's part of the vine. See, see the glory of the branch when you when you hear Jesus say, I am the true vine and you're the branches. If we could hear it, the glory of the branches were part of the vine. Huh. Now, if we get cut off, we're no we're no longer part of the vine. But if we abide there, we're part of the vine and the source and the life of the vine is flowing out through us, in us, working in us, being formed in us. You know, I, I don't know all the natural nature of the tree, but the tree, when you plant it and it begins to grow, the, the root of it begins to grab hold and expand into the earth and it begins to take on form and nature, whatever kind of tree it is, and blossom. And its power flows. Honey, right out of the vine, to the vine is shaken with fruit, with life. And that's what I'm seeing and hearing in the Lord. He's, he's rooted us in himself, that he would flow right out of us as the king, as the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that we would come to reign in his life. We're not going to reign in our own lives. See, that's what a lot of people believe. I'm going to reign like Jesus did. One of these days, I'm going to reign just like he did. I think Jesus, in what we're talking about in John 15, kind of settles that. Unless you abide in me, you won't bring forth fruit. 
He won't bring forth life. So we reign in his life. It's his life in us. And I wrote a very simple note here. This is the, how do we reign in his life? And I said, there is no way to reign, but to know his life. We can't reign in his life, but to know his life. And that's what the spirit of God has come, that his life will be known, measured out, and manifest through the church and to the earth. And I just say, come, Lord Jesus, right here. Here. Measure out. That of you that we can live in this life, dwell in this security. You know, we read that the power of this king that he destroyed all enemies. We read that. Have we come to the place that that's our lifestyle? He has destroyed all enemies. Just a question for us all. The enemies are destroyed in our hearts. Uh, just the thought I have when the Israelites crossed the Jordan and they went into the land to possess the land and the land flowing with milk and honey and you had all those enemies in the land. And the question I have was, were they a reflection of the Israelites themselves? Of what was in their own hearts. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. So God began to destroy. Everything in their midst. And he told and He told them. Don't make any agreement with any of them. <laughs> See. Is he speaking to her own hearts? Don't make any agreement with what's in her own hearts. Because the only agreement we need to make is what's in the truth of the Lord. You know that sometimes thoughts come into our minds. I'm going to use a, a simple one. And what I've said to you tonight, I, I don't know if I had any intention. I, I meant to speak of the reign of Christ. But I, I don't know that I had any intention to speak to you the way I have. But I want to, want to just put something out here. In Colossians, it says you are complete in him. Now, sometimes in our hearts, it'll come, it'll raise up in us and say, well, I'm not complete. Now, do we make that agreement with our own heart? Or do we come over and say, Lord, I believe what you say. I'm complete in you. Show me my completion. Have we become like Joshua and Caleb and say, Lord, 
I believe you've given me this land. Now show me this land. Let me walk in this land. See, what, what comes to my mind is a song I used to like to sing. He's still make, working on me to make me what I ought to be. And, and, and that's maybe okay to a point, but there can become a mindset, well, God's just working on me. And, and, and we can get in a mindset of that. And I know he works in us. I know he works on us. I know that. But we can get in just a mindset that there, there's, there's never an arrival to anything. We never come to an arrival of the tr truth and the knowledge of the Lord. I'm not telling you we've come to the whole arrival. I think we will continue to come to the arrival of the Lord <laughs> as he works himself in us. Uh, I was talking to Brother Jim Wickens and, uh, and, uh, earlier today. And the comment I made is, is in the simplicity of the gospel, Christ is in you. It's very simple. Christ is in you. But that same word, Christ is in you, is bigger than the universe. You can look out at the immensity of the stars and sun and, and moon, everything in the, in the natural world, and say what's inside of me is bigger than the natural world. It's bigger than the earth. So, so while we may come and into a knowing of the Lord, I'm telling you, we won't keep coming and coming and coming and coming. I believe we will. And I believe he'll keep coming and coming and coming into our hearts in a greater expression of himself, a greater awareness of what he is that we would reign in this life that this life would begin to have as brother jim says sometimes this aroma this sweet smell of christ and the earth can't change it hallelujah to the lamb of god that's what I believe he's talking about reigning. That the dictates of the world can't change what God has done in Christ and what God has done in your heart. The world can't change that. I guess with the Apostle Paul, when they took him, my understanding or what I, what I believe to have been the case and beheaded him, it didn't change his position or his understanding or his life. <laughs> no. Because he was rooted in the Lord. So the world never changed him. He remained an expression of the Lord. And he, be, and he was ministering to people to be a savor of Christ, to be an epistle, a living epistle of the Lord. And like I said earlier, and I'm coming to a close, that doesn't mean we've memorized the Bible, that we're just walking around and quoting scripture. <laughs> that's, that's not what it means. It means that the life of Christ is formed in our hearts and our minds that the earth 
is seeing it and questioning what's different about this guy, what's different about this lady. There's just something about them. It's Christ, the life living in you. And your heart and soul getting swallowed up in him. As I finish tonight, I say, Lord, swallow us in your life and cause us to know the authority and greatness of your kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in this earth. In this earthen vessel, as it is in heaven, according to what John saw a lamb as if he had been slain, standing, standing in the heavens, in the throne of God, in authority and rule, casting down everything of man. I want to speak to his peace tonight a little bit. I didn't get there. I just mentioned it to you. If you read Ephesians 2, and we've been looking at it for a couple of weeks in our local fellowship, but if you read Ephesians 2, he broke down the middle wall partitions in, in his flesh. He reconciled both Jew and Gentile in the body of his flesh and crucified them both and brought forth in himself of the two one new man, so making peace. This is the peace of God. This is the rest of God. One new man that Christ is the life and the substance of. And it goes on in that chapter and says that that people, that body, that temple is built up in the foundation, build up in him, Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone that all the building fitly framed together flows from. Why? That it would be a habitation unto God by the Spirit. That what God is would be expressed in you and I. In the knowing of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, I'll stop here tonight. Lord Willem will pick this up again next week. I uh, haven't made any announcements to this, but we have Brother Dale Grimm with us Sunday in our local fellowship. Uh, so we're going to have, uh, if you're here local, Please come and join us. We're going to have a get-together after that meeting. So if it's all right with everyone, we will resume the Zoom meeting the following Tuesday night. So uh, we won't have a service this coming Sunday night. We'll have Dale at our local fellowship, and we'll res resume on Zoom next Tuesday night, if that's okay with everyone. All right. God bless you. Amen. Wow, as always, I really thank you, Brother Wayne. Just so much encouragement, so much of the Lord.